Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 627. I am Angelique Rocher. And I'm bump, bump, bump. Lorraine Sinks, she's back in the house. She can't be kept away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know who can be kept away? Ryan Pedagos, a.k.a. H&M. He's on a secret mission. I'm back. From baby time, y'all. I made a whole human, and now I'm back <laughs> to talk about Marvel stuff. You're welcome. Uh, so now Ryan and I are going to incessantly talk about our children. I apologize in advance, JK. Deal with I it. was about to say, I. <laughs> why would you apologize about talking about these adorable humans? I... We'll have to just talk about my fur baby who is sitting outside of the audio booth right now. Like, mommy, play with me. Uh, fur babies count. Fur babies count. Um, but besides, for, well, we will be also talking about some furry heroes um, this uh, yeah. uh, during the show as well. Uh, this is the official Marvel podcast where we get to talk about all things fur babies. No, seriously. No, 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 no. no, no. We, all things Marvel. All things, all things Marvel. Marvel. All things, I mean, all things fur. <laughs> Marvels. All right. Uh, everything yeah. that's happening this week in Marvel. Hence, this week in Marvel. Um, that's right. We're here to talk about games, comics, books, toys, movies, TV, or whatever else we're excited about, like children. Yeah. Um, this week, also, Marvel editor and host of Women of Marvel, Ellie Pyle, is going to join us here on TWIM as she chats with writers Anthony Bresnikan, Amy Radcliffe, and Rebecca Theodore Vachon about their new book, Marvel Studios, The Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline. So get on your time-traveling spacesuits and your little um, TVA doodaddies, and let's get into it. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to move to our next thing and that's that's it that's oh it's get ready for it Lorraine uh the segues are segueing the segues (laughs) are segueing um this week in Marvel move X-Men Age of Orcus episode six the law of the jungle um you are in the savage land investigating Orcus shenanigans with the bouncing beast and trying to protect Krakoan flowers oh and you need to move quickly or you could be in a sticky situation you can download the app marvel move via the zrx app on android or iphone or go to zrx.app slash marvel for all of the details it is amazing yeah um go go get your fitness on um also angelique you know i am so excited about this next one Marvel and Hasbro are teaming up to bring marvel characters and stories to what magic the gathering um i I'm a huge Magic the Gathering fan, uh, and I was super stoked about this. Uh, It it reminds me of, like, rainy and stormy Sundays with my friends playing in, in, like, a restaurant or bar the best. Um, It was announced this week Hasbro and Marvel are going to develop a collectible products and tentpole sets for best-selling trading card game Magic the Gathering. It is the most fun game to play. You're welcome. If you haven't played Magic... It takes a minute to like learn, but as soon as you learn it, it is so addictive. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what these powers are for these cards. So the first Temple Magic set based on Marvel's fan favorite characters and epic stories are going to appear globally in 2025. So you got to 
slow your roll, hold on a minute. Um, and there's going to be some additional all new exciting sets for multi-generational fans to collect and play. Uh, the team up with Marvel builds on the inclusion of other popular brands that are also joining the growing list of universes beyond uh, the Magic of the Gathering universe. So get into it. I can't wait to see this. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to have something to add to my green deck because I have a big green monster deck and it's all about just like smashing the hell out of everybody else's deck um or maybe like a nice white deck where you're impossible to kill because you just keep proliferating with life and it's like try to stop me you can't you can't kill me i can't die i love Um, all of this you make me so happy with your because all i'm thinking is like the sinister six sounds like a green deck yeah baby it's like groot it's just like i'm a big green plant and i'm crushing you um (laughs) Get into it. Stay tuned to Marvel.com for more info as it becomes available. Uh, I love uh, it. All right. And in other Hasbro news, because I know folks have been waiting, waiting to hear about this, we wanted to take a moment and congratulate the Marvel Legends team and all of you fans out there for successfully funding the Marvel Legends HasLab Giant Man. Where are any of you going to put it? Who knows? Who cares? It's going to be great. <laughs> You're going to have to put it on top of the bookshelf because he's too tall. (laughs) All right. Ladies are in the house. I I feel like it's like ladies night. Uh, The girls are are in the pod today. Um, So let's talk some women of Marvel. And of course, I'm talking women of Marvel Rogue. Our pals Ellie and Preeti over at the Women of Marvel podcast love Rogue so much. So there is a very long episode coming for you. It's jam-packed with conversations about... Uh, you know, our favorite comic book couple, mm. Rogue and Gambit. Well, maybe not Ryan's. It, maybe not Ryan's favorite. You know what? Favorite. Ryan and his <laughs> opinions of Gambit are not here on the show today. Yeah. For now, we embrace love. Um, and they talk with writers Kelly Thompson and Alyssa Quitney about uh, writing Rogue in the comics and in prose. And they also talk a lot about X-Men, the animated series with writer Julia Leewald and the voice of Rogue herself, Lenore Zahn. Uh, plus... They ask real couples therapists what she would do if Rogue and Gambit sat down on her couch. Uh, I can only imagine. It's like find a new boyfriend, whatever, husband, whatever. It's fine. Um, but TBD on that. Definitely go check out this episode wherever you're listening to this episode, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. You know, I like that you asked this idea of what if uh, being on that couch because we have another what if that's what if Wanda Maximoff and Peter Parker were siblings. This is actually a novel, not a comic book. So I'm really excited about this. Wanda and Peter Parker embrace great responsibility in their next adventure of an epic multiversal series that reimagines iconic Marvel origin stories. Okay, so... The question is, what if Wanda didn't have to suffer her grief alone? What if she had Peter Parker? Uh, So in this novel, all Wanda has known is her friendly little neighborhood in Queens. As an infant, after her parents have died, she was adopted by Aunt May and Uncle Ben, the two best parents ever, and as siblings with her idiot brother, Peter Parker, (laughs) who thinks hiding a spider bite, joining a secret fight club, and becoming a superhero are somehow good ideas. I love how this is a completely different perspective on your life choices, Peter Parker, are suspect. Yeah. Also, Peter Parker is a sibling. Super interesting because, like, he is 
a strong only child vibe. Oh, a hundred percent. But now you add in Wanda's powers, blood, chaos, suspicion, all the things that come with Wanda, um, as she harnesses her powers under the guidance of Doctor Strange, because New York, uh, uh, Peter is then standing by her side in the Sanctum Centorum, and as they try to protect New York, the Parker siblings, oh, it's so good, learn that with great powers, there must also come... Tacos. Great responsibilities. Oh, I was so close. Yes, always tacos. But unfortunately, greater loss. So much like Star-Lord dropping his taco. All right, so those of you who love What If and you're like, I need more of this, this is actually the second What If novel following What If Loki Was Worthy, a Loki and Valkyrie story by Madeline Rue. Um, And I got to say, I'm very excited because this particular one, What If Juan and Peter Parker Were Siblings, was written by Shauna McGuire, friend of the show, and it is publishing in July 2024. Heck yeah, check it out. All right. Angelique, straight up, you work on Marvel's Voices. Um, this is true. And there's a new Marvel's Voices legend uh, anthology coming July 31st. It's a beautiful one shot. You do phenomenal work on these with the team. Aww. What is it about? Uh, so I love it. So Marvel's Legends is going to be celebrating Black History Month. We're really excited because if you've not seen this incredible cover, it's so good. Um, it's featuring Misty Knight, Patriot, and also has a little shout out to Ghostlight on the cover. It's going to be on sale January 31st, just in time for Black Black History Month. Um, and as usual, it's our special one shot. Um, we also get an Elijah Eli Bradley story, a.k.a. Patriot. It is has been written. I've actually kind <clears> of <throat> seen some of it uh, by David Walker and artist Edder Messias. Um, it is going to be I'm just I'm really excited about this because we're also celebrating Misty Knight's 50th anniversary. And for those who don't know, like Misty Knight is actually the first black sup- woman superhero um, in Marvel Comics and had the first interracial kiss. With her boyfriend, Iron Fist, at the time. Uh, So we're celebrating her 50th anniversary. She was also a style icon, let's be very clear, uh, with writer Justina Ireland, um, who just a dope speculative fiction writer. And you've been waiting for it. It's going to be a Daughters of the Dragon adventure. Um, And then TV writer Ezra Clayton Daniels makes his Marvel Comics debut alongside artist Sean Damian Hill, uh, who did Bishop War College, but was also in the very first Marvel's Voices uh, with a Michael Collins Deathlock tale. Um, So we're really excited about that. Also, you should check out, we've got Marvel's Voices Avengers number one coming out very, very soon this year. So we've got so much goodness coming. Yeah, we love it. Um, speaking of some goodness, um, let's dive into some Marvel Studios Loki season two. Uh, no spoilers, but episode four is out this week. It is a doozy. Uh, <laughs> the timelines are timelining. The things are happening. Victor, timely miss minutes. There's there's a lot stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's all converging together. Um, I can't wait for you guys to watch episode four. It's phenomenal. Go check it out. It is now streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. Oh, but 
there is more for the timeline yet. Oh, yeah. So Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline is out now. All of your questions will be answered in the MCU, which is vast and incredibly varied and richly complex. You need different worlds, different timelines, countless characters. All of the fights you've had with your friends, you now have a guide to this universe and is created in close collaboration with Marvel Studios. It will answer the biggest questions. What happened? When? Where? And why? Um, Also... Flurkins. Follow the entire story of the MCU from before the Big Bang to the blip and beyond. And stay tuned because we actually have an interview with the writers in just a few minutes. Uh, That's again Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and official timeline is available now wherever books are sold. Hey now, um, settle some arguments amongst the kids. Um, And speaking of fans of all ages, we have got some phenomenal stuff over on Disney Plus as well. Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red. It's a new original special. It's now streaming on Disney Plus. These listen. Look, any you put Lego, Lego with Marvel anything. Avengers. You put Lego with anything and it becomes magic. It is the cutest. All the Lego specials are so fun. Definitely don't want to miss the Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red, which features some fan favorite superheroes in Lego brick form. There's Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Thor, Hulk. And you know what? Uh, As usual, they're going to come together. They're going to save the day. The code is going to be red. The Collector uh, is our villain. It's now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Also, fun fact, you can check out a new Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red short over on Marvel HQ, it is our family-friendly YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Marvel HQ. Go subscribe now so you don't miss any of those super cute shorts. All right. So for those who love Star Wars, the War of Stars, we've got Star Wars Thrawn Alliances adaptation by Timothy Zahn with writer Jody Hauser. Who knows Star Wars better than Jody Hauser? An artist, Andrea DeVito, and Star Wars Mace Window, written by the Mark Bernardin, like the nerd of all nerds, um, <laughs> and drawn by Georges Ginti. Um, Star Wars Django Fett by Ethan Sachs and artist Luke Ross. Yo, this is so these good. These are all my friends. These That's so, so good, right? <laughs> I literally am reading these names like, oh, I know that person. Oh. That person is dope. Um, for a special sneak peek at the series and more, pick up Star Wars Revelations 2023 number one in December. December is going to be loaded. Heck yeah. Um, definitely go check it out. Put it on your pull list. Also for your pull list coming in February, The Edge of Spider-Verse is back, baby. February 22nd. Uh, It's now a perennial spider hit. It's back. Um, It's building to the biggest Spider-Verse epic in Marvel Comics history. You're welcome. It is, uh, as I said, launching in February. And the series is going to take readers to the bleeding edge of the Spider-Verse, reacquainting you with some old faves, introducing you to some important web-slinging heroes maybe you haven't met yet. Um, Because we know we love the Edge of Spider-Verse. It is where we meet some incredible characters. And this time will be no different. Edge of Spider-Verse number one is going to kick off with the first appearance of Weapon 8 or V111. Uh, (laughs) The exciting comeback of the tech-savvy Spider-Bite. Margo! Uh, 
So we all know Weapon X, obviously, but who the heck is this Weapon 8? We're going to find out in that story. It's by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing of Captain America fame, as well as artist Travel Foreman. Uh, And in this universe, Weapon X escapes that facility. Uh, You might remember that. He does do that in the comics. Um, And then they call on their greatest previous success to get him back. So do not miss it. Coming in February, it's just the start of the saga that's going to set up that next Spider-Versal story, so you're not going to want to miss it. And also, you know, the first issue of a Spider character, new Spider character, got to get it. Uh, But we've talked so much about comics coming up. We got to talk about comics that are out this week. That's right. It is time for our new comics picks. Heck yeah. It is a a jam-packed violent well ish it is almost halloween uh, so we have to choose we have to choose marvel zombies black white and blood number one oh. it's giving black and white and red just as it said it's uh, heart-riching there the art is phenomenal it's all black and white with splashes of red you know the splashes we're talking about it's not for the kids but it's for us we love it i mean Listen, there are three different stories in this. Undefeated, Hope, and Deliverance. They're all phenomenal. Garth Ennis is doing his zombie thing. He knows a zombie moment. Um, Ashley Allen is doing some phenomenal writing in there. Beautiful art by all the artists. Stott, Fernandez, Mason, all phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and perfect for the for the holiday season. Mm. The the, Being wa- the holiday. The holiday. Uh, I, the most important holiday. I also got to shout out Captain Marvel number one, Alyssa Wong, Jan Bazaldua, like, first of all, Alyssa Wong knows how to create a villain. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil this. Yeah, I'll just say there may or may not be some zombie action in this one as well. Heck yeah. Um, and listen, it's a number one. Get into it. You don't want to miss the beginning of the story. Um, also, another story that is just phenomenal. So beautiful, this issue. Jean Grey, number three. And of course... I would expect nothing less from the icon, Louise Simonson. Oh, yeah. uh, Who is writing this series. Gorgeous art by Bernard Chang. Unreal. There is this, like, beautiful one page that is, like, a big sort of um, collage of all of these really iconic gene moments. It kind of reminds me of that that. Um, really iconic Jean image where she's like flaming out in the middle and then there's like the fractals of her life. Very similar to that, but uh, following more of like her uh, dark descent. But those are comics for this week. Go get them. They're out and available for you now. And you can check out more comics uh, that are out this week on Marvel.com. Yeah, and coming up soon, we've got Ellie Pyle as she chats with Anthony Bresnikan, Amy Ratcliffe, and Rebecca Theodore Vachon about Marvel Studios the Marvel Cinematic Universe and official timeline. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Lorraine Sink. And I'm Angelique Rocher. And we are getting into that interview as promised with Anthony Bresdican, Amy Radcliffe, and Rebecca Theodore Vachon talking all about that beautiful Marvel timeline. Hello, everyone. Uh, so before we dive in, a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your Marvel origin story? And how did you first get into Marvel? 
And why don't you introduce yourselves as well as you give us your origin story? Oh, sure. Uh, I'm Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and my Marvel origin story started when I was about 11 or 12. Um, I had uh, my best friend, her brother, collected comic books. Um, and I believe the first Marvel comic book I ever read was Uncanny X-Men 167. Um, and that was uh, the storyline with the Brood. It was part of the Brood saga. And that was when Professor X um, had been taken over by the Brood. Um, and they basically had to give him a new cybernetic body. Um, and once I read that, I, I was hooked. Um, and I became a Marvel fan after that. That's awesome. Amy, how about you? Sure. I'm Amy Ratcliffe. And, you know, I didn't grow up with comics. Uh, that just wasn't something that was in my world. I'm from a very small rural town. I don't even know where I would have gotten them, thinking back. Um, but I knew the X-Men animated series. Once you say those words, that theme song is just in your head for the rest of the day. And I'm okay with that. And then, you know, several years after that, when the X-Men movie started coming out, um, I just kept leading into the X-Men and being really excited about them without ever connecting that there were comic books. <laughs> so it took a while for me to get into comics, probably around the time the MCU started uh, to get to Marvel. And I started with X-Men because I'd spent so much of my time with them and, and got lists from friends. And they're like, okay, just read Days of Future Past, read the Dark Phoenix Saga. And... I'm so glad I did. And it, the comics world really opened up from there. And I discovered Captain America and Daredevil. And just, there's so many comics. Did you know? So many Marvel comics. There are so many comics. There are so many. Uh, and our Marvel origin stories are actually very similar, Amy. So I I appreciate your yours on a very personal <laughs> level. Anthony, how about you? Yeah, hi. My, my name is Anthony Bresnikan. I'm a, a film journalist, a television journalist, all sorts of different kinds of entertainment, books, movies, TV, you name it. Uh, I've been doing it for probably 20 years. I've been covering the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the very beginning. So my Marvel origin, uh, I would say it was pretty loose. I was never someone who followed every issue religiously and and followed the connectivity of the comics. I know that's one of the great joys of, of the comic books and something the MCU emulated. I was much more of like, hey, you've got the flu. Here are some comic books from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> and uh, uh, I would read those. I read a lot. I was really into cartoons and toys. So the G.I. Joe and Transformers comics that Marvel created, the Star Wars comics that they created. I was super into those. But again, it was much more of like drop in and drop out. Uh, it wasn't until I got older and was like a teenager that I really began reading like the X-Men comics of the 90s that I really loved, that everybody really loves. Uh, I think it was Secret Wars, one of my favorites. And I know it's one of my brother's favorites too. And when he brought it up, I was like, oh my God, I vividly remember that uh, issue. And it was uh, a Secret Wars issue, I think later in the series, if memory serves, where Doctor Doom is like burned and decaying and it's this really striking scary image on the cover of a comic book and uh that i've always been a big horror fan too so that kind of drew me in but uh, i'm much more immersed in it now as an adult which is totally fine by me 
All right. So speaking of continuity, you all are the writers of the Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline. And this is something that fans have been asking for for what feels like centuries. So uh, tell us how this book came to be. Yeah. So I was uh, uh, I got a call uh, one day uh, from DK Publishing and they said we're putting together a team. <laughs> We're putting together uh, a, a group of uh, writers to uh, tackle the timeline of the MCU. And uh, first person I called was Amy to say, what's it like working on these books? Because it's the first one I've done and she's done many of them. And, uh, and then when it came time to finding uh, co-writers to work with, uh, she was already on DK's list. She was on my list. And I added uh, Rebecca to that list as well, because I, I know her work uh, covering the MCU. She's fantastic. Uh, we've never teamed up before, although I've tried a bunch of different times and uh, she has too, but they're both wonderful writers. And it was a, a real pleasure to just put this book together, look at the movies, any of the background material that, uh, that Marvel Studios could provide us. And so our job was to find what in the movies is hard and fast. Like, where's their date on a newspaper, on an email, on a television screen? When does somebody mention a date, mention a holiday, mention this or that? Anything that where you could orient yourself in the chronology, and uh, and then use those to uh, to sort of uh, place the other events that don't have like a hard and fast date associated with them. They don't have any documentation, right? But you know, relatively when they happen in relation to these other events. But I would love to hear from, uh, from Rebecca and from Amy about their experience putting it all together too. I will uh, kick things off and say, and I'm sure you ran into this, Rebecca, Anthony, too, like what a joy it was to go back and rewatch things and also what a uh, curse in some ways because you'd be like, I'm, I just need to rewatch these few scenes about the Battle of New York and I'm just going to take notes. And then next thing I know... I have watched all of the Avengers <laughs> uh, and uh, that happened repeatedly. How many times did you all rewatch these movies? <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot. I'm like, <laughs> even, even, yeah, even before I got the, the project, I mean, especially once we were in lockdown uh, because of the pandemic, I was visiting these movies at least once a month. So it was just like, and all of them are in Disney plus, which was great. That did so, make it yeah. very convenient. I'm like, I don't have to get up and get out my various Blu-rays. <laughs> and especially when you're like, you know, because some of our interstitials, they would be about like, I had one that was about Nebula and Gamora. So it was very easy to go to very, like the various scenes that were key to their relationship and pivotal moments. And it was really like the best part about this. And it like, in addition to it being writing about Marvel and MCU is like kind of digging into the character, like the whys behind things and how things play such an, people and things play such an important role. So did you divide up your rewatching based on like the specific pages you were each working on? There was this master Excel sheet. Um, and then uh, I think we only had like uh, one Zoom meeting when <laughs> the three of us met together and we were just basically parceling out like, oh, I'll, I'll do, you know, Someone will do Battle of New York. Somebody else will do Battle of Wakanda. And um, I had suggested um, doing um, a section on the friendship between um, Hawkeye and, and Black Widow. So that's pretty much how that went. And, and just mm -hmm. for me, it was um, I really there were specific characters and locations and storylines that I did want to 
cover. And then there were some that were maybe a little bit out of my comfort zone that I decided like, hey, let me do that to kind of challenge myself. Like I did the whole section on all of the um, Spider-Man suits um, from the Spider-Man trilogy, the, the latest Spider-Man trilogy with Tom Holland. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was going to say my challenge like of those like was I'm like I'll do the Iron Man armors where anything related to like super like detailed like that or like tech. I'm just like it's a cool outfit, right? Um <laughs> but there are so many different versions and they all do different things. So that one was a good challenge. So we've talked a lot about the various challenges that you all faced in working with this. What are you most proud of in terms of how this book turned out? It's just so comprehensive. I think everyone here, uh, Anthony and Rebecca and are so so knowledgeable about the MCU and have written about it, you know, since it started 15 years ago. So to be able to bring all of that to go through so many, so many hours of stories and capture them in this way that is exhaustive and is beautifully designed and very, it's very accessible. And, you know, you're not reading... Wikipedia, 5,000 Wikipedia pages for the MCU. And I, it just, I think, is a beautiful resource for um, hopefully the storytellers, for fans. Uh, certainly in my day job as an entertainment reporter, like, I would have killed to have this over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, I think fans are going to be so excited to have it all laid out officially like this. So I'm, I'm proud of just how it came together, ultimately. Well, um, agreeing with with Amy and I and I think um, just revisiting all of these characters and stories um, on one level, I think the book is is great for people. I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, you know, who have an interest in Marvel, but then they're just like, oh, my God, all these movies are interconnected. Like, you know, I've, I've never watched, you know, I didn't watch Iron Man one or two. Do I need to watch, you know, Captain America First Avenger in order. So I think with this book, it's it's really a, a way to introduce people um, who may have an interest in the MCU, may but may feel a little intimidated, like, oh, this is overwhelming. Do I have to watch all of these movies? And this is a great guide. You know, like I, I told someone, like, besides, you know, being a great Christmas gift for people who are MCU fans, if you're someone who's who's new to the MCU, you can like literally watch all these movies with the book. You know, it's kind of like a companion piece, which I think is great. And um, you know, and also I think with with the book, um, working on this book, just realizing that it's it's more than just like these plot points and it's more than just like, oh, he has this cool costume or these cool powers is that these these characters are, are, are very human um, and, and very flawed and very complex. And, you know, a lot of these storylines were just really reflective of the time. Like I remember watching WandaVision and we were like in what year two of the pandemic. You know, and and just that whole um, overarching uh, theme of grief um, and and pain, and and so many people had lost loved ones, you know, to um, the coronavirus and everything. So it was just interesting to see all these parallels, or watching, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldiers, and this, you know, um, conversation about patriotism and racism, and you know, in real time, and seeing BLM, and it was it was just like wow. <laughs> this was written before these things were happening, you know what I mean? And so it's it's just really interesting to see like how the MCU kind of has the pulse of what's going on and you know with social issues and and what's going on in our personal lives as well. We can see a lot of ourselves reflected in these characters. I think for me uh, uh 
the part of the pro- process that was the most enjoyable was rewatching everything with my uh, my wife and my two kids. You know, uh, they're going to grow up fast. And as the MCU shows you, like 10 years plus now can go by really quickly. And so we've watched a lot of those movies together. And uh, it was it was really fun to just revisit them all. Like as opposed to every now and then we would pop and say, like, let's watch Iron Man again or let's watch Guardians again. But to just have to go back. It was like the best homework in the world. Just like, <laughs> OK, we, you know, I've got a, a, about nine months to write this. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't one of those like smoke up Johnny things. We're like, oh, I'm so sick of watching Marvel movies because we could spread them out. Um, <laughs> and we didn't watch them in like any chronological order. You know, like the book was written in in chunks because like I, I think the first section I did was the uh, Guardians just as like our test thing, because those two movies happen like right on top of each other. And so there isn't a lot bleeding into them. There isn't a lot happening elsewhere in the MCU during those times. So it was like those two movies really stand alone uh, uh, for the most part, at least, or at least we thought so. Later on, we may have figured out every now and then you'd figure out like, oh no, this happens during that time. So we've got to like squeeze it in. But like I would write sections of the book based on the number of movies that overlap with each other. So I couldn't really write Civil War, the Civil War recap blurbs, without uh, also having my notes ready on Black Widow because Black Widow takes place, for the most part, right after, uh, right in the midst of the events of Civil War. So those had to had to weave together and uh, that happened really frequently. So I did all of that first. I would find like, and I would have to write David like, oh, I, I, I'm not ready to send this section in yet for your editing because I have to watch another movie because I know this fits in here. Uh, and I'm going to end up changing it around anyway. So let me, you know, figure out what, which movies overlap with each other. And, uh, and then occasionally there's sort of like breaking points often Avengers movies where then, okay, now a new set of storytelling begins. And then within all of that, the last thing that was written was the, uh, the, er- the early parts of the book, the prehistory, because every movie includes a mention of this happened a million years ago. This happened 5,000 years ago. This happened 600 years ago. And so, um, all of that stuff, uh, it was important to have those notes ready and then construct the prehistory. And, and then and, and a lot of that is so vague that you're really just placing it in relation to each other rather than at a specific time. Uh, but that was also a lot of fun to put together and just try to figure out where the legends fit in, where the sort of vague descriptions of the origins of the universe and the celestials fit in. Um, but But for me... That was the most fun, but the p- proudest part. I think you asked about, you know, what made us proud. Uh, and I'm going to embarrass my co-writers, Rebecca and Amy, here by saying I think just working with them and and we didn't we were like passing our our copy back and forth to each other. They did their things, I did my things. David wove it all together ultimately, but just seeing their sections come in and being so impressed by their writing and the soulfulness and attention to detail that they put into it, that really made me proud. We all three know each other from uh, like social media and, and covering comic book movies over the years, but uh, we've never worked together. But the two of them are really good friends and they're amazing journalists. And we were sort of like superhero war correspondents <laughs> together, all covering different sections <laughs> of the universe. Uh, 
but contributing back to the same. It was like working at the same newspaper. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, thank you all so much for coming to talk to me this afternoon. I am so excited for folks to get to read the book and have all of their questions answered and maybe discover some questions they didn't know they had. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Ali. Yeah, thank you. That was our friend, our colleague, the amazing Ellie Powell, talking to Anthony Brezican, Amy Radcliffe, and Rebecca Theodore Vachon about their brand new book, Marvel Studios and Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline, which is available now wherever books are sold. So go check that out. All right. You know what time it is. It is time for some community. It's this week in messages. So our guest next week is the multi-award winning British composer Natalie Holt, who's going to join us to chat about her work on Marvel Studios Loki and how its score has evolved throughout its second season. The series is phenomenal. Can't wait for that. But until then, we want to know what is your favorite score within the Marvel Cinematic Universe? You know, that beautiful backing music that makes us feel all of the feels. Oh, I already know this answer. There's so many good ones, but personally, just like the Avengers theme, it's it's so iconic. Like, you just can't argue it. Uh, I would have to say it's Marvel Studios Thor Ragnarok. I like it's, it. It's it's it is just enough, and it I, I, a second winner up would have to be Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Three. Oh, the music! All my feelings. So good. All my feelings. But of course, tell us what's your favorite. Uh, you can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com. Or you could send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. And of course, as always, tell us if it's okay to read on the show. Uh, just write okay to read Twim so that we uh, know if we can read it on the show. Baby, let's do it. Uh, so last week's question of the week favorite era on the mcu timeline and y'all have some answers heck yeah first up we got airbay doratio at airbay underscore excelsior who said my favorite era in the marvel cinematic universe is fury's big week in which all the heroes come band together to stop loki assemble the avengers for the first time during the battle of new york and save the day hey sometimes you just can't argue with the classics yeah no that's uh that's simple straightforward and it's, it's that moment. It's that moment when it all begins. Uh, so we have Super 7-5 at Super 7-5. My favorite era of the MCU is World War II. I love the foundation set in Cap, First Avenger, my favorite MCU movie. And although it's set in an alternate reality, I was so happy to revisit that era in the Captain Carter episode of What If. Oh, it's such a good episode. Love that. Uh, we also got a email uh, answering last week's question of the week. Hi, all three of us share the same joy from NYCC News. Two words, infinity pause, Chewy, Lucky, Alligator Loki, and Jeff. So glad we're on Marvel Unlimited. Yours, Heather, Fiona, and Nolan. Aw, thank y'all. It's so lovely to hear from your little family. It's been a minute since I've been on the show, and it's so nice to hear from you guys. It's always nice to hear from everybody, and it's so nice to be back. It's so nice to have you back. Um, I'll be in and out on the show, popping in from time to time to say hello and hang out with Ryan and Angelique. So I'm glad to be back. Come say hi. 
But until next time, this episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, Ryan Panagos, and Angelique Rocher. Our senior manager of audio production and development is her pal, Fred Barton. Emily Godfrey is our production manager. And special thanks to Jeff the Land Shark. Hey, a shark with legs. What's not to like? <laughs> That's it. I'm Lorraine. I'm Angelique. And this is Marvel, your universe.